Please be seated. So thankful that you're here today. Today brings back a lot of great memories for me. You saw Baron Goins uh, from Agape. Baron was in my youth group 40 years ago, and um, I was 12 and he was five, all right? Uh, kid, kids matured much quicker that day, but uh, it's great to see him and see God so powerfully speak through him. And then to have Paul Evans leading worship brings back a, a decades of memories of us working together on Sunday morning. Really appreciate him doing this. Now, not excited about the reason Paul's having to do this today. Our worship leader, Jeremy Swindle, actually has some nodules on his vocal cords. And so he's been put on vocal rest for, for a few weeks. And uh, I know this is really hard. I've done it before earlier in my career. I can remember when I was living here in Montgomery once, had to go on vocal rest, went to McDonald's to order something. I wrote my order down, handed it to the girl. She wrote the price down and handed it back to me, Okay. So um, it's not a fun place. So if he doesn't give you a lot of words, be patient. But right now, what I'd like to do, Jeremy, you come right here. Worship team members, y'all come lay hands on him, and I'm going to pray for him real quick because we need this man to be healed. All right? Well, the elders anointed with oil and prayed over him earlier this week, and we're going to pray with him today. Lord, you know how much we appreciate uh, Jeremy and uh, how great he's been for our church we love him and his family. We love the way he leads us to your throne. And Father, right now, I know it's frustrating in the middle of all we've got going on, especially in anticipation of a month from now. God, I just pray that you'll give him peace and calmness. But Lord, above all of that, would you put your hands on him and would you heal these vocal cords? And may he come back stronger and wiser than ever before, Lord, because we need him. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give Jeremy a hand for what he means our church. Uh, Dustin and Karen Moore were on Southwest Flight 1170, flying from Los Angeles to Nashville. Uh, one of the stewardess, uh, a lady named Jenny, uh, noticed them, and they had a little bitty baby, and so she walked up and talked to them, and was surprised to find the baby was only eight days old, and they were flying. And they explained to her that they had just adopted the baby. So Jenny walks away without them knowing and begins to organize a baby shower for the airplane. And she tells one of her co-workers, Bobby, about this. And Bobby gets on the sound, the PA system and says, we've got some special guests here today. Uh, we have a little girl. She's eight days old. She's flying with her parents back home for the first time. And, of course, the whole plane broke out into applause. They got lots of gifts given. Everybody on the plane wrote a note of encouragement. And it was a beautiful thing. Why? Because we celebrate adoption. Well, why do we make such a big deal about it? Because number one, we know the trajectory of that young girl's life was totally changed by that. Second, we know the effort, the dedication, the sacrifice those parents were making. So it's worth celebrating. Today, I want to add a third reason we should celebrate. And that's because when people adopt, they are doing one of the most godly things that can be done because it's a reflection of the very heart of God. And that's why the Christian adoption movement is so very exciting and making such a big difference. For 20 years across our country, churches have celebrated Orphan Care Sunday. We got on the ticket about 10 years ago, and it's been a beautiful thing for us. And about eight years ago, we began to partner with this incredible Christian organization here in Montgomery called Agape, where we could actually 
do something tangible on this day. So it's an incredible movement we get a part of. But here's what I want you to understand today. And, and we got to all grab. God started this movement. All right? It comes from God to us to me. And that's your challenge today. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 4 where it talks about this. Galatians is obviously one of our favorite books because it's talking about the gospel of grace. And you've got some Christians who are being tempted by some Jewish teachers to go back and say, Jesus is not enough. You've also got to keep the law. And and so in chapter 3, Paul has said, the law was a good deal, but it was only your guardian. It was only a tutor to prepare you for the best when Jesus comes. So as he starts this chapter, what he's trying to say is, why would you go back to that when you've got this? Look at verse 1. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. It's all going to be his, but it's not his. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. So also, speaking of us, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. He says, though you had this coming, you are actually in slavery. You see, the law and legalism keeps you in slavery. Why? Because you can never live up to it. The Ten Commandments were amazing, but nobody could keep them until Jesus came on the scene. In in our day today, we still live under all kinds of different types of slavery and addictions, and we get stuck. And, And what Paul wants us to see is, because of what Jesus has done, you don't have to live there that way any longer. So that leads us to the most important word in the passage. In verse 4, it's the word, but. Because now, despite all of this, the good news comes. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Listen to this. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Somebody help me out here. What's the word Abba mean in our language? Daddy. And Christ, nobody ever believed you could call God Daddy. The spirit within us cries, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you his heir. It's incredible. And here's where we start today. God moves. How did God move? Write this down. First of all, he just simply, he came to this earth. And when he came to this earth, God saved us. How can you do this? Jesus came and lived that perfect life for the first time so that he could be the sacrifice for our sins. He took upon himself our sins so we could be saved. But don't stop there. Not only did he come, not only did he save, he adopted. Okay? It's a beautiful thing there. God adopts us. Now, if we're talking theologically, we'd be talking about the incarnation, justification, and adoption. You see, the cool thing about justification, our sins being taken care of us, it opens the door for adoption. That's why the new covenant is so different than the old covenant. The number one focus on the old covenant about God 
was the holiness of God. That God was so perfect, so different. And, and, and the idea about that, the practical result was, God was distance. God could not be one with, with sin. And so, so the, the motivation there for me, the, the emotion is, I'm fearful to get close to God because I am unholy. Now, when you come to the New Covenant, the New Testament, there's a, a better word for us anyway. Holy is a great word. It's God's become our Father. And you see, because our sins have been done away with, we now can be adopted into the family of God. And that changes everything about our life. You know, we've been talking for weeks about living close. Here's good news for you, good news for me. God wants to live so close to you. Someone summed up the story of Scripture this way. God was above us. God was around us in Jesus. And when Jesus leaves, he leaves that spirit. God is within us. And what I want to challenge you about today is that we need to see all of these three moves. Because here's what I've done too much, too many times in my life. I understand that God came. Amen. I came. He's saved. That's awesome. But I'm afraid we have so overemphasized that part that we've missed the bottom part. God saved. So we ask each other, well, you know, why do you want to become a Christian? Because I want the remission of my sins. That's good. That's not the whole picture. Why are you a Christian? Because I really want to go to heaven. And only if God's done away with my sins can I. That's good. Because that's not enough. That's why so many of us are miserable. We know we believe in Jesus. We think he came. We think he actually saved us. But, but I've just got to endure this difficult time on earth until I finally make it to the reward, which is heaven. And so some of us walk through this life miserable when God says, no, no, no. I didn't just save you. I've adopted you. It's a crazy good analogy. In Paul's language, he's using courtroom language, justified. What's justified mean? Just as if it never happened. So here's the courtroom scene that Paul views. Here's God the Father. He's perfect. He sent his son to pay the price. The gavel comes. We're forgiven. We're justified. Too many of us stop right there because this is the good news Another part of the good news is God unzips his robe, he walks down to this earth, and he adopts us into his family. So it's not just a legal move, you're justified, it's a relational move, now you're in my family. It's not me just being in right standing, it's actually being that close to him. Maybe a, a more modern analogy might be this. You ever had someone come rescue you? Maybe an emergency vehicle? Maybe your, your car was stuck and AAA sent, you know, a wrecker? Or maybe you were really sick, you know, and the ambulance came and, and those emergency workers saved you and they got you to where you need to be? That's awesome. But that's not the complete picture of God. Why? Because do you even remember the name of those technicians? No. You stayed in touch with them? Probably not. You ever been in their home? <laughs> no way. I wouldn't even know where they lived. Because that's where some of us leave our Christianity. 
We've come this far, but what God says is, I want better for you. I I don't want just to be your emergency worker. The key word in our passage is the word redeemed, which means to buy back from slavery. So you're in the slavery and God buys you back. He frees you. What did he free you for? He freed you for him to be your forever father in his forever family. And it's that good. And that's what God is saying in this passage. He wants her. This is, this is really big, guys. I don't want to go too, too quickly away from this. But I do think too many of us live without realizing what adoption means. Let me give a, a current illustration that breaks our heart. We spent 20 years in Afghanistan. Just a few months ago, we saw an absolute disaster trying to get out of Afghanistan. And what makes us sad now is that we did two of these things. We came, we conquered, we saved, but now they're back under slavery. You see, what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a democracy where there would be freedom, but it wasn't available to, it, it didn't happen with them. It didn't connect with them. And so we've gotten away, and it's all falling apart. And guys, for so many of us, I'm afraid that our faith falls apart because that is the only part that we understand. Isn't it great to have babies in church? Give that baby a hand, all right? Come on, guys, help me out here. So, so don't move on without seeing this. Now, what happens when you're adopted? You need to understand these things. Because, again... Let me me stop just a second. I don't think I'm good at communicating this often. When I talk about someone about becoming a Christian man, I draw that line, you know. Here's the unsaved line. Here's the saved line. You're unsaved. You get saved. You get all these awesome things, remission of sins, gift of the Holy Spirit, your new person, all awesome. But I, I repent that too often I've not told them about being adopted into the family. That's why it was so awesome yesterday to baptize Austin Brown and to be able to say, hey, not only am I baptizing you for remission of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that Spirit's going to come live within you and you're going to be adopted into this family because we experience things. Here are a few things to write down. We experience the Father's affection. I mean, guys, how how much closer can you get than, than a God who allows you to call him Daddy? Oh, we, we, we say this when a child is born and maybe they're, you know, not close to us. We say, I can't wait to get my hands on that baby. I can't wait to love all over that baby. Do you know God feels that way about you? This weekend, Stephanie, I've been really blessed to, to, to take care of our, our six month old child, uh, Henry. I mean, Luke's, Luke's kid. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, this dude is so sweet. He already ever cries. He just looks at you and smiles and coos. He says, grandbuddy about twice a day. I mean, just, just so, so, he's honestly the best baby in this church. I mean, just really, it's a great thing. And you love that chance just to love God. That's what God wants to do with you. So, so you, you have the father's affection. Not only the father's affection, you have the father's family. He's your father. Jesus is your big brother. You're born into this big deal of all these brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't have to live your life alone. And here on top of all this, we have the father's inheritance. In our country, legally, after you've adopted a baby, you can't unadopt a baby. Now, later in his life, the baby can unparent you. 
but you can't unadopt them. And God has adopted you in this forever family where you're going to receive the exact same inheritance as Jesus. Is that cool? So God's moved. Next part of our message. We follow God. We move. Look at a few passages with me. First of all, John chapter 20, verse 21. Here's what Jesus says before he leaves. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What do we do? We are on the same mission that Jesus was on. Ephesians chapter 1 makes this very plain about what the church ought to be, be about. Listen, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, that's Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Listen to this next line. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What are we supposed to do? We are to be filling the world with Jesus. You recognize this, guys? We are the presence of Jesus. We have all these arguments about what the church should do and shouldn't do. What's it? I'm telling you what the church should do. The church should do whatever Jesus would do if he were here. Amen? Amen. Thank you, brother. You are more excited about that than babies. Okay, let's, let's go on. Now, James chapter 1, verse 27. Now let's get to babies, okay? I love this passage because James, the half-brother of Jesus, gets very specific about what it's going to look like for us to be like Jesus. And he's going to tell us about false religion and true religion, okay? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. A lot of people try to use religion like it's a bad word today. It's not really. I mean, it, it, religion is talking about the outward form of our faith, and there's something to that. But it's not enough. In fact, here's the kind of religion that God our Father does not like. It, it's a false religion that looks away from people in need. Okay? It, 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 it says this, I can go through all the right rituals, I can take the Lord's Supper every Sunday, I can sing, I can pray, I can listen to the message, I might even take notes, I do everything the right way, but when I get out of here, I live selfishly. A lot of us grew up thinking, if I just check the right boxes, check them off, man, that's all God wants. No, no, God wants so much more for you. He wants you to be his living presence in this world. And so, false religion looks away. In fact, if you go back to some of the prophets, man, if you got a chance this afternoon, read Isaiah chapter 1. God goes crazy on his people. And he says, guys, I'm so tired of your festivals. I'm so tired of your sacrifices. I hate, he uses this word, I hate your worship. That's like if God came in here and said, guys, I really hate that you took communion today. I hate that you're singing. But I, I hate that you're preaching. Well, why did God hate that? Why does he hate it? Because he said, because when you leave here, you don't care anything about the orphans and the widows. As the message translation would say, about the hopeless and the homeless, the loveless. He said, the religion that, that I want you to have, yes, it embraces all of this, but it leads to a life that looks like Jesus. So that's what we're here today about Agape Sunday, is that we be the religion that meets needs. We be the people 
who don't look away. Guys, it's so easy the day we live. We actually look after. Listen to me. God loves every one of you. In fact, I can say this openly because of the passage we're studying. God's crazy about you. He's crazy in love with you. But let me say this. If God has any favorites in the Bible, it's the marginalized. That's where his heart goes. So that's where we're going today. Okay, let's talk about this more in depth. Uh, Steve Dewar, the executive director of Agape's, and join me on stage. And we're going to talk a little bit. And um, I love Steve. I love what they're doing. And uh, I just wanted to be able to interview him a moment. Many of you are new here to Landmark. And you, you may not know a lot about this agape. You know, agape is that, that beautiful Greek word for love. And that's exactly what this agency does. So, Steve, for people who might not be as familiar as some of the rest of us, tell us broadly what agape does. Agape's mission is that vulnerable children will find permanency in safe, nurturing families. And we do that through three primary services. One is foster care, where we... Uh, have Christian families who come alongside and partner with us to provide safe, nurturing homes for children for sometimes a little while and sometimes forever. And then we also provide services to women who are experiencing a pregnancy and they're in crisis. And we help them make the plan that's best for them and their child. Average age of the moms we're working with right now is about 26 and a half. And 50% of them are already parenting other children. Of the moms we work with, 80% choose to parent. But if we've helped that mom get a good start in life and that child never becomes a vulnerable child and needing a foster care, we've met that mission of permanency. And then for the moms who need to make an adoption plan to take care of their child, then we partner with Christian families to do adoptions in those cases as well. Y'all have been doing that so well for so long. I look out of the audience here, and there's so many people been touched by your work. Tell us a story about foster care that touches your heart. As you said, there's so many people in this room that I could tell their story, and it'd be a powerful story. But there's a story right now with foster care that I think is just uh, captures so much of what we're talking about today. A few months ago, we got a referral for a sibling group of four children, all under the age of four. There were twins that were two and twins that were three. Now, that just gets me tired thinking about it. And we didn't think we had a home that could meet the needs of all four of those children that day. So we called a home to see if they could take two of them. And when we called that foster family, that foster mom said, you're not splitting up those babies. So they rearranged their house and their life and those Three of those children that day went to that home. And the fourth one joined them when that child was discharged from the hospital where that child was being treated for an injury that was due to abuse. And the next morning after that placement, my foster care director sent me a picture of one of those kids sitting at the table eating breakfast in peace. What a beautiful picture. That family did a great job of taking care of those kiddos for the next several months. And then they came to us after they had a meeting and they said, all the indications are mom's not going to be able to do all that she needs to do to get these children back. 
So they're going to need an adoptive placement. And my husband and I are not at the place where we can adopt four young children. We're too old. But I know a family that we go to church with that I think would be a good family for these children. So we had a conversation with that family. And in September, those four children moved from the first foster home to the second foster home, which is likely going to be their adoptive home. And then this little extra bonus, in October, the fifth sibling joined that family as mom delivered baby number five. So now five children under the age of four in that home together. And they're able to do it because they've got a great community around them, but also because you provide for Agape to be there to walk alongside them and help them in their situation. What a beautiful story. Um, Give us a story about a young lady with an unwanted pregnancy that you've been able to help. We're we're working with a young lady right now. Um, She called Agape uh, several months ago. She's 19. And when she called us, she was about in her 20th week of pregnancy. And she was literally scared to death because somebody had taken her wallet and her purse and her identification. And she was staying in an extended stay hotel and her rent was coming due. She called us on a Thursday and her rent was due Friday for the next week. And she didn't know where she was going to go or what she was going to do. So she called us out of desperation. And when our worker went to go meet with this young lady, she asked about family. We always assess what resources are in their community. And when she asked about family, the young lady said this to our worker, I really wish I had a mom or a dad who could walk through this with me, but they're just not available. And when our worker told me that, that broke my heart. Because I'm a dad. When my kids are hurting, I want to be there. So we've been walking alongside this mom. I'll try to hold this together, guys. I'm sorry. No need. After a couple of weeks of working alongside of her and helping her get her ID and helping take her to job applications and appointments, our worker took a couple of days off, which meant I got to have the cell phone for a couple of days. And Friday afternoon, around 4.30, I get a text, and it's a real simple question. Will Riley be back Monday? That's our worker. And I said, yes, she'll be back Monday, but if you need something, you let me know. And her next text was, I'm okay. I just got approved for housing. I just had to tell somebody. As a dad who loves getting good news from his kids, the fact that she was texting Agape, I'm thrilled we were there, but it broke my heart. At the bottom of that text, it said, from the bottom of my heart and my daughter's heart, I thank you. Because without your help, I don't know where we would be. And we're only able to do that because of folks like you in churches like Landmark. That mom now has her own place. She's got a job. And the future for her looks totally different than it did just a few months ago. And that's the part of what we do that just 
It's so great to sit there and watch at Agape. Both those stories started at a place of chaos and desperation and are ending in a place of connection and hope. And you're a part of that story when you help Agape. Thank you, Steve, for your heart. Um, we want to keep this movement. We all want to be a part of it. So we've got a, a next thing that says, I move. God's moved. We, we're going to all move as a church in just a moment. But what are some, what are some things all of us could do? Uh, aside from keeping me stocked with tissues, because yeah. apparently I can't tell stories without crying. Um, <clears throat> the first thing is pray for us. God is doing some amazing things at, uh, at Agape, and there's times we have to know what direction we need to go. And we need prayers that we have the strength to choose the good things and the hard things that need to be done. Also, there's so many different ways that you can help Agape and that you can be involved in vulnerable children's lives. And I'm going to say something that's kind of crazy for a nonprofit executive director to say. Agape is not the only game in town. If God is working on your heart to go deeper in another ministry, follow that heart. Because God's a God who has enough resources to take care of all his children. And he does it in different ways. We're just one of the ways. So I encourage you to listen and be sensitive to what God is telling you. If agape is what's on your heart, there's so many options. One is, again, praying for us. One is giving, and maybe it's giving financially. Maybe it's giving your time and your resources. We are blessed by Landmark to have people who serve in different capacities. We have foster parents who worship here. We have volunteers who worship here. And we've got board members who worship here. This is such a great church to share those resources with us. And we're so thankful for that. There's some areas that we're hoping to grow in. And I know that uh, Landmark has started their own ministry to foster parents here. And we're excited that we just approved some new families, or in the process of approving some new families at Landmark. And I'm excited to see care communities wrap around them and support them. And that's a ministry you can do right here at Landmark. But then the other piece is, the stories like that story of that mom that I just told you about, they've been weighing on us at Agape. And God is working on us to start a ministry that's going to enable Christians to step in and meet some of those needs. Um, that mom was in crisis financially, but her greatest poverty was relational. And we want to help equip the church to be able to respond in those situations. So that's one of those specific prayer requests that God will give us a vision of what he wants us to do in that case because, or in those situations, because I know God is working on us in that way. Yes, Steve, I was in a Bible class this morning. One of the teachers is uh, Trey Hayes and him and Amanda mm -hmm. adopted a few years ago. And um, he was just explaining how special today is because of the community that surrounded them, that they could not have done this on their own. 
And I think there's so many ways for us all to step up and help, and we want to. And one way is right now. Let me sort of show you what we're going to do today. You can see our weekly budget up here. And uh, you guys have been doing a beautiful job, especially the last couple of years, in view of everything happening, that we've been just doing awesome on that. But today we want to add at least $15,000. So everything above our weekly budget will go to Agape. And so today I'm, I'm asking you to dig deeper and, and to be able to give generously and the more we give, the more we can bless and be a part of this. I think 15000 frankly, for us is a little bit of a low goal. And so um, let, let's um, do this. Let me give you the four ways. You know, every Sunday you can do it. You can write a check. You can drop it in the baskets out there. we got an app on Realm. You can go to our website. Probably the majority of us do a lot of text giving now. That's turned into a really big deal. And you can see the number of how to do that. So right now... Um, um, in just a moment, we're going to pray, but I want you to go ahead and start giving right now, and um, Steve's going to present us as a church, mm-hmm. something he wanted to give, but in these next couple minutes, just, just take the time to get your offering in, go ahead and write that check out, be ready to give it on your way out, and uh, this is a very special thing Steve's going to do with us. A while back, I came across a special prayer that uh, I thought was applicable for both Agape and Landmark, because something we have in common, something we both do. And it's a a prayer for changing diapers. Um, I'm sure there's a few diapers that get changed in this place. And we do a bit bit of that at Agape. At least our foster parents do for sure. But the prayer is such a powerful prayer. And I wanted to bless Landmark with this as a thank you. And I'm just going to read how the prayer ends. Because I think it speaks to all of us about the impact of today. Open my eyes that I might see this act for what it is from the fixed vantage point of eternity, O Lord. How the changing of a diaper might sit upstream from the changing of a heart, and how the changing of a heart might sit upstream from the changing of the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Wish I'd read this before I had my grandson this weekend, all right? (laughs) Really beautiful. Guys, give a hand. This is such a great work. Thank you, buddy. So I want to leave you with a question that we're going to pray in just a little bit that that goes back to the beginning of this movement. Are are you living more like a slave or a son? I think that's Paul saying to the Galatians. Later he says, what's happened to all your joy? It had been stolen by that slavery. And I think so many of us in our Christian faith, we only made it to He came and He saved. And we've not fully embraced He adopted. You know, often this idea really comes to my mind when I see some of you with your adopted children. And I think, where would these kids be? What impoverished country would they be? What orphanage would they be in? What unhealthy, abusive situation they would be in? Would they still be with the mother that's stuck on drugs, having children? Would they still be in this country where they're hardly fed? And you look and you go, oh no, this is so beautiful because of what you have done. And what I want all of us to know today is that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to look at us and say, you've enjoyed your full adoption. And so today we're about to sing a song, and you know we opened this front row up to prayer, 
And if you need prayer today about fully embracing your adoption in Christ, then right now, you're actually that miserable Christian I was talking about, and God doesn't want you that way. Or today's the day where you may be adopted in the family of God, and you want to be baptized. And, and when you are placed in this water, and you die, and you're buried, you're resurrected with Jesus, and not only are you clean from your sins and full of the Holy Spirit, you are now a part of the family of God. We've been seeing that happen a lot lately. We'd love to see it happen again in the next few moments. Let's all stand up and sing and respond if you need to.